Good evening and welcome to horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. Sorry, I started the introduction and then realised Adam was taking a massive glug of water. I do apologise. That's all right. <laughs> I will, apo- will apologise now if my voice eventually cracks into tricky. So it's uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that I might go husky and sexy, but I get the feeling it's going to be much more like scratchy pensioner. <laughs> yeah, so you've got the cold that I had for two episodes, which to remind people when we record once a fortnight, is three weeks worth of cold. What the fuck? Yeah. Um, also, there will be spoilers and swearing for anybody who's never listened before. Oh, well <laughs> done. To try and well get done. in there. Mm-hmm. So uh, this evening uh, we are covering a film that I cannot believe it's taken us nearly 130 episodes to get to, but because it's such a staple, it just feels like it's always there and you never need to talk about it or watch it. Uh, but we have recovered 1982's Poltergeist. Uh, I may be super excited about talking about this. We oh. shall see. Uh, I'm not giving that away as a spoiler because, you know, <laughs> I'll keep some cards close to my chest. So, Chris, what have you been watching? Right. Let me let me throw this one out there as I uh, let's see if, He's if any of the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> not again. Oh, oh, oh. You've you've seen right through me. There's there's something <laughs> of that in this. Right. There's a little hint to get you started. All right. So. So I think this was recommended by Bobby from Not For Everyone quite a long time ago. It's I think it's also one of those that in the video shop, the cover stood out quite a bit, but I think there's a couple of different covers. Okay. Now, I didn't really know what to expect from it. I assumed it was going to be um, a bit of a, uh, what do you call it, like a, a using horror to look at us, look at how we are, Reflect down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I don't want to use the word to give it away. That's the trouble. I was trying Is to it a Serbian film? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Life, <laughs> <laughs> right, but so so let me think. Right at home. <laughs> yeah. I don't need an intervention. It's like <laughs> that was a. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it might be getting that way. I don't know. You you can tell me. What I haven't seen that watch? film. Yeah, well, like, like, we, we got a, you know. Okay, play the game. Out of him. Yeah, yeah. We're going to see which of you can get the answer here, right? So I'm just going to say I now know all about shunting. <laughs> it was a Serbian film. <laughs> it, well, I... society. Yes, very good, Adam. <laughs> now, now I'm going to say, say I did not see coming what came at me. <laughs> It was a lot closer and, than I thought to you, what I said. Yeah. Right, yeah. And then you kind of did. <laughs> See a lot of things coming. You did, yeah. <laughs> uh, quite a lot, a bit too much, yeah. And I'm, I'm now well-versed in, in that. Would you like to leave a message for Bobby to either tell him oh. to delete your phone number from his phone or <gasps> if he's got any phone any uh, photos he'd like to share with you at all? Yeah. <laughs> no, no it's, it's a good film. It's, and we, uh, it turns out... Great fun. Great fun. Yeah. Can, can I just say, we should fucking cover it. Oh, absolutely. I've seen it once, and that was... Mm. Oh God, I was living at Butlins at the time, so that was, what, 98, 97? So, yeah. It's yeah, around that sort of time, yeah. Definitely needs a rewatch. 
It was one that was on yeah. late one night and I came home drunk and put it on and was just like, oh, I'm sure I've heard of this. It's a horror film that I've never got around to watching. Yeah. And then just kind of half half watched it until the last 15 minutes and they went, huh? Huh? Whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it has an effect. <laughs> Double so, fill it with the stuff. And, <laughs> and sell ice cream. But I would like to know if anyone guessed it before I said that, or even when I said that, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I because I was, yeah. No, I think you've summed it up perfectly, actually, Chris. Now it was it was just the key, the, the keyword, the IMDB keyword there was shunt. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, your description is very accurate. It is, yeah. And so and so you, it's Brian Yuzna. Yeah. Um, who he did something else, Reanimator. Yeah, yeah, Reanimator, and a lot of um, pretty good, and mm. also uh, ranging from pretty good to pretty shit. HP yeah. Lovecraft adaptions. Okay, but did they all have pretty serious effects? Because I remember oh, yeah. Reanimator had some along yeah. the lines of, of yeah, uh, this. Because I. Could- I can never remember which way round it is, but it's him and Stuart, uh, him and the director Stuart Golden, sort of basically like interchange producing and directing mm. for each other. Um, so I might be getting mixed up, but yeah, I know that like from beyond, I think yeah that they, they both use the same effects crew mm. and stuff like that, and it's yeah, it's just wow. It's yeah. That, that's 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 where you like you know that it must be that lovely thing of just finding someone. It's like you've got it absolutely what I want, <laughs> and that must be and a I very never thought small, possible. There must be a very small amount of people who are into that. And yeah. yeah, thankfully, I mean, it's it's weird. It's it's like cartoon Cronenberg. Mm. It's, it's yeah, um, but it's yes, yeah, no. It's, Fucking glorious film that is. Well done, Chris. Thanks, thanks, Bobby. I'm super pleased actually because I was like, oh, it's going to be something possibly, you know, borderline (laughs) horror. And then when I was like, fucking hell, society. That's cool. Can I make a can I make a proposal? I know we had plans, but I need to review my. uh, I need to review those plans. I need to review the plans. (laughs) So before we do so, shall we watch society for our next project? For our next film, like you know, next episode. Yeah, why not? Chris has already seen so? it, so he's got it in yeah. mind. I'm, I'm raring to go. I've only seen would it you, once. Uh, right, that's true. That's true, Chris. Would you? Let's, let's do you shunt want to it onto the list. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to rewatch it that quickly? Oh, I could do that. Yeah. Okay. Or can you remember well, yeah. it well enough that I'll, you haven't got to put yourself through it again? <laughs> I'll probably can. You know, I'll, I'll make a couple of notes. Yeah. <laughs> I, what, I, what I, you know, what I liked about it was that I didn't see it coming. I just did not. Yeah, that'll be interesting. That's the other thing as well as you get that interesting rewatch when you're like, oh, now I know actually what's going mm, on. Yeah, and you, yeah. you, and there's lots of like <laughs> bits that you'll pick up on seeded them. puns and stuff yeah. like yeah. that. Should have seen that coming a mile off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Cool. Um, well done, Chris. So, Adam. What have you been watching? Um, well, fortunately, um, fortunately for speed, but uh, also for later on in the episode, I would imagine. 
Uh, I ploughed through after Poltergeist, and so I watched Poltergeist 2 The Other Side and Ooh. Poltergeist 3 because I needed that sense of completion. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I can bring, I can bring those up. Um, I can also safely say now, I think I might, number two might be my favourite, which is, which is quite rare yeah. of like film sequences where it's like the sequel necessarily will be one that you really, or like the immediate sequel. Yeah. Because a lot of the time it's like the second one's like, oh, what did we do? Oh, quickly. Yeah. Bung that in and do that. Mm. Oh, that's fucked. And then yeah. three, they hit their stride. You know, so yeah, so but I think yeah, number number two might be my favourite. So, but I think that might just be the Reverend Kane. Yeah. Oh God, what a fantastic character! But we'll we'll get into that on the. Uh... Yep. Um, okay, so I have seen some interesting stuffs. Um, I have watched uh, the new Netflix uh, show Night Books. Have mm. you seen this? Ooh, okay. No, I've not heard of that. Mm. No, me neither. So Netflix original film. It's pretty family friendly. Mm. Uh, the kid in it, again, Chris, is literally a spitting image of Toby. You should go and Google <laughs> it and see. Um, so it's it, it, basically it's a Hansel and Gretel story. A boy gets mm. tricked by a witch uh, and kept in a house. But ultimately, she keeps people who are useful to her. And he writes mm. scary stories. So she's just about oh, cool. to kill him. And he says, I write scary stories because she says, is there anything, have you, is there any use for me keeping you alive? If not, I'm going to kill you. So mm. he says, I'll write scary stories. So she says, okay, you're going to write me one every day and read it to me at night. And as soon as they're no good, you have stopped being useful and I'm going to kill you, mm. basically. Um, it, although that sounds like quite a, evil premise it is done in a relatively family friendly way uh and i just really enjoyed it i was really surprised i was like this looks super kiddie but the witch in it looks cool so i'm definitely going to give it a go and i just mm. had a fantastic time for an hour and a half i was really surprised yeah no it does look good and you're right yeah he does certainly have a, a bit of a Toby look about him. Yeah. It, I mean, it's got a 5.8 on IMDb. So I thought oh, it's, got a, it's got a good rate. I set of 6,000 reviews as well. So I thought it's got a good rating. I'll give it mm. a punt and see. It's on Netflix. So if I get 10 minutes in and it isn't for me. I'm not it's got a bit of a, a Disney look to it. Yes. It's I all would, very so. like UV perhaps, looking. And... Yeah. But maybe a step up in the extreme or dark look i don't know yeah so yeah, some of the monster that just came up looked quite yeah impressive and the witch dresses exactly like uh lady jennifer did as i would mm. imagine in the 1990s yeah so, um, yeah definitely yeah <laughs> but yeah yeah really good film really enjoyed it yeah. so uh i'll recommend that uh unlike my next film <laughs> so I watched Halloween Kills, which a lot of people are kind of raving about at the moment. Uh, again, I tried I've to stay away half from... and half on it, really. Yeah. Extremely half and half on it, yeah. Um, so I hated it, I, I, which is terrible because I'm, I'm not going to give you any spoilers, <clears throat> but the, the film begins with a 
things that happened on the night in 1978 that you've not seen before and then comes mm. to the present day. And one of the cops in the 1978 flashbacks is my favourite policeman of all time. Didn't yeah. know he was in it until he appeared on screen. I literally stood up, put my arms above my head like someone has scored a goal in the ice hockey <laughs> and cheered. I was so excited. Um, but the film went... I, I won't tell you who it is, but I will tell you at one point he does face Michael Myers and I thought he was going to give him a full open handed slap as a way of putting him in his place. Right. Okay. Does that help? Not at all. <laughs> it's a policeman from the Wolf of Snow Hollow. Oh, the, the main guy. Yeah. Who wrote and directed. Oh, right, okay. and... Jim yeah. Cummings. Yes. Yeah. Uh... yeah. When he came into oh, it, I was but... like, Oh my god, this is gonna mm. be amazing. Um, but yeah, he's only in the flashback bit, which is only fairly short. Um, and then the rest of the film basically was a it's a bit like I was saying with the uh with the Jordan Peele films, where I feel like they went, right, let's do a horror film. Now let's think of a you know a political point we want to make and then make a film around it. And that was exactly what it felt like. It was like, right, we're making a Halloween film. We've got no idea what to do. Let's pick a hot topic situation and make it around that. There's a lot of vigilanteism going on at the moment. Let's make it an anti-vigilante film. And there is no story other than vigilanteism. And that is all it was. And it was so, so horrible to watch. It was terrible. Also, Nothing happens. I also... I also hear that Jamie Lee Curtis isn't in it that much either. No, well, she gets stabbed up really. So it all, when it comes back, it carries on on the night from the 2018 one. Yes. So obviously yeah. she has a stomach. She's basically half yeah, gutted. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. So it carries on from there. So she's kind of in the background. So that was the thing. So when it kind of started again, and I was like, right, so she's in the hospital. Somebody is going to have to come in to take her place to go searching for Mike Myers or the next person he's going to hunt down. And that's how they're going to reboot the series. So they're going to give it a new Michael Myers target effectively so that they can create a whole right, new. Yeah. But yeah, no, they yeah, don't really. to pass it on. Exactly. Oh, right, yeah. Okay. But yeah, they don't really. It's just terrible. And it's not. It's it's like, like we said before, with. Um, Dawn of the Dead, Romero was saying, he made the film and then he said afterwards, this is me saying about uh, modern people and their... Um, the sort of consumerist society. Yes, like. that's the word, yeah. thank you, yeah. Consumerism. Um, and you watch the film and enjoy the film, some more than others, but you watch it as a film and then go, oh yeah, that makes sense. But at the time, you're not watching it the whole time going, yeah, we get it. We get it. So it's, it's more subliminal, mm. subtle, yeah. the social commentary Where isn't this, in your face. Yeah. This, it could not be. But do, but do you think they've realised we're all pretty dumb and we just need it to be exactly. what or we don't, we don't, we don't get it? <laughs> what was the film where a guy came on at loads of points? It was like a sort of piss take of like sort of 90s Spike Lee, like black cinema, where it's just a bloke kept coming up and going, message! <laughs> it, it, do you know what? Um, if they did that every time no. that they were pointing it out, <laughs> it would have become a drinking game that would murder you. 
<laughs> it was literally but, just... But would it have improved the film? If I was unconsciously drunk, that maybe. Might be all right. <laughs> it couldn't have made it any worse. Right, right. Could, could, could they have made it with this social aspect and vigilantism and made it good? Like, is it, it could have it could have been a really good film, and at the end, mm. it could have been the town turns and every the whole town is out looking for him, mm. and those who are out looking for him get. But that is all the film is is just two or three people going right. Police aren't dealing with this. We're going to go and deal with it. So they go looking for him. They find him. He murders them. Two or three so, other people go. Oh, he's killed two more people. This is a step beyond the pale. Let's get in the car and look for him. And they go and look for him. And then he murders those people. And then and it, it's just that for an hour and a half. And I was like, oh, just like. Right, it, so the, like the, the thoughts. Going over. Yeah. Okay. The thoughts I've got are, right. I might have the idea watching, say, one of these films like Halloween and thinking, well, why don't they just sort of spread it around really quick? Say, look, this is going on. Hmm. Let's get as many people doing it as trying to find him as possible. I might think. How would that work? And that could be interesting. Oh no! Oh no! But it might be that it just doesn't work at all. But they do that. I'm not going to spoil it. But mm. it is when I reach the absolute "I'll oh, get fucked" moment <laughs> of the film. So, um, yeah, I'd be perhaps that just know, is a bad idea. So people just message us and let us know. It's yeah. I've got no problem. <laughs> I, I mean, like, other people, like, listeners, tell me if I'm fucking wrong. But it is. Well, like, what you use, Adam? You said it's like fifty-fifty, as far as you can tell. No, no, this is this is the this seems to be the response. There are people mm. and the weird thing is it's pe- a lot of it, it's people who I trust in films going both ways. Mm. There was a similar I know there was a similar split with the recent Candyman, mm. where it was like people people whose judgment I, I trust, but there were but everyone was like saying different things, they would loved it or hated it. And seem, seems to be a similar thing with this. It's because it's exactly the same thing. It's a, this film was, okay, we need to make this film. What's a big, yeah, you know, mm. like what's everybody talking about at the moment? Oh, this, you know, this thing that, you know, it, it was with this, it was vigilantism. With that, it was Black Lives Matter. But it was the same thing where it was just, just kept hitting you over the head with it every two minutes to the point where the you were sub, like, the subtext just, is not subtext. Yeah. Just get yeah. on with the film. I know what you're trying to say. You don't have to keep reminding me at the beginning of every single scene. Just make the film play. It just, oh, it's horrible. Really, really horrible. So um, that was lead review of the new film, Halloween Blows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn it. Right, well, that's left a horrible taste in my mouth. Um, oh, but also the... Um, Netflix also just did the uh, the movies that made us. Mm. Oh yes, uh, and they've done Halloween, Friday the Thirteenth, and A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh wow! So, okay, yeah. So last night Jennifer and I watched the Nightmare on Elm Street and the Friday the Thirteenth ones back to back. Oh, they're really mm. good. Yeah, I, mean, I really enjoyed the Aliens one that I saw. So I imagine it's a similar format. It was yeah. very entertaining. Yeah. It's 45 minutes. It's got a lot of the key players involved. Covers it, a lot, yeah. It's kind of... It, a lot of it is stuff that we would already know as fans, mm. but there's also a lot of stuff that That's I didn't enough. know in there. Yeah, well. okay. And, like, mm. really in-depth interviews with Tom Savini and stuff where they're, mm. they're talking about specific 
oh, we saw them filming this because we were sitting in the van having a beer mm. and we saw what they were doing <laughs> and saw it was wrong. So we went over and intervened and all that kind of like mm. just really. So really good for fans and good for like non-fans. Yeah. And they get so much into 45 minutes. Mm. It's uh, it's one of those, you know, like the, the Elm Street one um, mm. that I've got. Not sure where it is. The blue race. I can't remember what it's called. Um, but yeah, it's like four and a half hours long and it's really good. Oh. But it's, it's pretty grueling. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. Mm. Whereas this is just, if you know the franchise, this is it in 45 minutes and it's yeah. really interesting. So, Never Sleep Again? Yes, that's the one. <laughs> I should know because I've got a poster for it signed by Heather Langenkamp uh, downstairs. So. Mm. Yes. So, <laughs> for a second, I thought you were just going meow then. I was like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, subduct town. <laughs> Ever Langen Camp, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> so on to 1982's Poltergeist. So, <laughs> Chris, I'm... the waffle. <laughs> oh, bless it, he's too ill to whistle. Oh, there we go. <laughs> We've got a poltergoost. <laughs> I wondered how long it'd take for that to come out. Sorry, um, yeah. <laughs> and non-British <laughs> listeners will be going, what the fuck, why does he say it like that every time? Because uh, we grew up with the British young ones. non-British listeners who do know, yeah, well done. <laughs> you are good. <laughs> so, Chris, uh, have you seen this before? And what did you think of it this time? Yeah, I've got a funny story about this, right? So I thought I'd seen it. I thought it was like quite scary, yeah, like really creepy, eerie, right? So this is what I was went in to watching it. I'm watching it. I'm thinking, and in fact, right? So and I saw the who I thought was both the director and possibly the writer and you know whatever, to, to, Toby Hooper, right? Mm. So I saw him yeah. flash up, yeah, and I thought, hold on, I know him. He's from a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I was like, yeah. right, okay. I, I've, I have this memory of having watched this many years ago. And then I'm also sort of expecting that. And I don't know, okay, it's going to be a scary sort of thing. All right. So I'm watching it. I'm thinking, this is, this is a fun, like entertaining action kind of movie, right? So I'm thinking, what, what is going on? Uh, and it's like, it's giving me a sense of possibly Jaws and there's definitely E.T. <laughs> in there. And I'm like, what is going on? This is definitely very enjoyable, but I don't get it. Like, what has happened? And I, I just, it's going further and further. It's like, yeah, there's big stuff happening. Yeah, there's, there's horror elements, but it's definitely got this action feel. And I was like, uh, no, if Steven Spielberg made a horror movie, surely this would be it. <laughs> and of course... Yeah. Got to the end, and I thought, I'm going to have to look into this. And I'll normally like to wait, and I'll see what Adam's yeah. going to tell me about it and what Lee's going to add to it. And it's like, no, I'm going to have to check what's going on here. And, of course, <laughs> right, written by Stephen Bispielberg, which I completely missed. And it all made a lot of sense. So it is like a, a full-on horror version of kind of E.T. with a supernatural, mm. more supernatural element. He had a bigger I mean, hand could... in it than that. He didn't just write yeah. it, but we'll get to that later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. No, well, you I'm, might have mentioned I'm, this, but well, I'm happy. I'm happy to. I'm happy to start because I think it's like because everyone always talks about the curse, but this is the much. This is the other big 
thing about uh, poltergeist. It's so exactly I did see, I did see when I searched, it said something about curse and yeah, yeah. and also potentially well, something we'll, about. We'll, we'll cover the curse because mm. curses, it's you know, that's that's clickbait, mate. Yeah. <laughs> but who directed this film versus hear about the curse of the film? <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, originally uh, Steven Spielberg intended to direct it, but he was also ca- uh, contracted to direct ET, mm. and so he couldn't, you know, just he literally couldn't he couldn't possibly do do both. At the same time, but like, it's legally, he could not do both at the same mm. time because it's kind of, yeah. So, um, so he chose Toby Hooper because he was like, right, I want, I want this made. Um, so he chose Toby Hooper because he liked uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and mm. uh, Toby Hooper had done another film called Funhouse at that point. I don't, he hadn't done Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, I don't think. And the um, funny thing is, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is much closer to Funhouse. Yeah. Than it is to oh, 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 yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> well, I was going to say it's closer to this in a way. It's, <laughs> it's not, but I wouldn't necessarily have thought of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 and this. So, so exactly. Spielberg, yes. Yeah, so he likes, he thought, well, Toby Hooper did a, you know, good horror. Mm. So we go to him. And. Originally, this was called something like either Night Time or Night Skies or something. This was like the original idea, which was mm. basically, rather than a supernatural explanation, it was aliens. Yeah. So it was intended to okay. be like the dark half of Close Encounters. Mm. So, yeah, and actually, weirdly enough, it is one of those things where when you look at it, it's like maybe not the carnivorous tree, but a lot of the other stuff could be Rest, alien yeah. and stuff mm. and, you know, floating objects, all that sort of thing. It's, it might go mm. more that direction. But basically, yeah, Toby Hooper didn't want to do a sci-fi film, so he said, well, can we make it <laughs> supernatural? And, yeah, so, but Spielberg was clearly, like, he was the producer, he was the writer. Um, he was clearly... Um, very hands-on and was often on set while they were making the film. Mm. And it's so a a lot of people, and also I think E.T. got delayed, like production on E.T. got delayed. So he literally wasn't, he wasn't doing anything over on that side of things. So he was spending a lot of time on the set of um, Poltergeist. And, um, and some actors say they were only ever directed by Spielberg. They don't mention Toby Hooper or they. Um, but um, so, and also there's loads of stories where he directly intervenes. Like, and this kind of feeds into the curse. Uh, Oliver Robbins, who plays uh, Bobby, uh, Robbie, um, the bit where the clown attacks him, that was like a mechanical puppet. Mm. And it did actually start strangling him. Wow. And yeah, yeah. So he and literally he at first they thought he was acting. Mm. And like and 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 the story goes, it's like Steven Spielberg's going, yeah, that's great, that's great. <laughs> then realized what happened and yeah. rushed in and, and ripped the the prop off him because he realized what that God. he realized that he was actually 
choking. It wasn't acting or anything else like that. And also when Carol Ann is hanging from the bed head, um, Heather O'Rourke, I mean, Heather O'Rourke, I think was, I mean, she's five when she made this, which is bloody mm. remarkable anyway. That is but out of this world that she's going to be so... I know, I know, it's fuck, it's insane. <laughs> but when, yeah, when she's hanging off the headboard, when the closet sort of vortex is happening, that was the only point she became distressed during the filming. They said she was really cool with all the other effects and all stuff mm-hmm. happening and everything else like that. But yeah, I think she just found that too. She found that too much and she burst into tears. And apparently Steven Spielberg then like went over to her, cuddled her, said, no, that's absolutely all right. And don't worry, you don't have to do this anymore. And then a stunt performer stood in. Mm. Uh, for subsequent bits they needed to film to get it all sorted. And um, that kind of... But the thing is, they're all effect shots. So I wonder if Steven Spielberg was essentially like a second unit director. Because when, you, when you're doing a film, you have two... You obviously have the main director who's doing the majority of the filming. And then action sequences, stuff that doesn't necessarily require dialogue, but requires technical know-how and things like that you have a second unit director who'll be filming that so for example george lucas didn't sit and film the model shots in star wars that would have been a second unit director who was dealing with that side of things so i kind of wonder if that was what steven spielberg was was sort of bringing to it um but um basically hooper and spielberg do say that the film's hoopers um although Clearly, it feels really fucking Spielberg. Even like Jerry Goldsmith's score sounds yeah, like John yeah, Williams. Yeah, that, that's it. I was, I was getting, I was feeling like, yeah, there's a bit of Star Wars going on. Yeah, it's a bit of, it's, it's definitely like even in the scary sequences had the action sound to them. There were yeah. bits, yeah, that were very even when what was going on didn't quite suit it. I made a note of it. I was like, some places the music felt kind of out of place. But it worked because it felt kind of too light-hearted, and then when it therefore switched to darkness, mm. it gave you that proper "oh shit, something's really kicking off now." That's why this, it made this feel like a very good family horror. Yes, well, it's, it, it's Spielberg again. Yeah. Something of, uh, the example I I was thinking was like Jurassic Park. Mm, yeah which has scary, tense moments that mm-hmm. would not be out of place in a film aimed at a more adult audience. Mm. But equally, yeah, but Jurassic Park is a family film. And I the think Hulk, like, weirdly, yeah. yeah, is weirdly a family film. Mm. I also think there's, because the one thing I got with it, and certainly Claire did, was a dissonance with... Um, like uh, Diane, like the mum's reaction to like the, at the start of it, where she's just wow, oh, this excited. is like this amazing yeah. science project. Like um, very much how Richard mm. Dreyfus is in Close Encounters. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Where you would be like you're sitting there thinking, actually, I'd have just shit my pants and run. <laughs> and similarly <laughs> with this, it's like you know you've got these people, and I think it, that maybe that's the start off tone but i think we all know it's a fucking horror movie so we're all starting at no this is just creepy now yeah this is already creepy 
I had and so when down. the dad comes home and just goes, "This is fucking horrible." It's like, yeah, finally, the work, you know, a bit, a bit of sense. Mm. Yeah, so I had written down an alternative title for this film would be "It's all good fun till someone's face falls off" because, like you say, it's, <laughs> like the kids in the chair sliding around on the floor—that's kind of good fun. And then you know the um, <clears throat> when they go into obviously the little girls disappear, but when they go into the bedroom and it's like the toy horse is running like a horse and the books flapping like a bat, and it all feels yeah. pretty family friendly and stuff. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he goes in the bathroom and his face slides off his skull. And I was like, yeah, yeah this took a real turn like, pretty quickly, really. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, when they open the door and it's just the stuff going on in there, that's like fucking Beetlejuice or something. Yeah. 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 Do you know what I mean? It's proper, like you say, it's proper comic. This does seem to... Ha- Maybe that is what happens. Maybe that is the... This probably... We, we, we might have hit the nail on the head here that it is both Spielberg and Hooper. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And, so but the, the majority, Hooper and the, the majority of the feel is definitely Spielberg. Mm. And then Hooper comes in and a bloke's faith melts. Yeah. He's like, right. <laughs> he's there, stand back. <laughs> just a massive toke on the joint. <laughs> stand there, Stephen. I've got this. <laughs> and then just r- rambles in and a man's face falls off or, mm. you know. That giant white haired ghost thing that's like shielding yeah. the door. Like it's just, it just comes so out of nowhere. It's like, oh, it's just very pretty lights, like fairies mm, or yeah. angels. Yeah. Ghostbusters, I thought. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. And all of a sudden, massive fucking ghost dog thing. And you go, mm. oh, yeah, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> But I know the, what was it, the last, yeah, there were, basically some, uh, Spielberg said, where is it? Uh, uh, people seem to say that Spielberg directed it and Toby Hooper was more of a technician. Mm. Basically, he was the guy saying, put the camera there, point at that one there, while Steven Spielberg was like, right, and your motivation is. So, um, and also Spielberg was quoted at one point with the rather telling phrase, that Toby Hooper's not a take charge sort of guy. <laughs> so I think I think Hooper might Isn't have been that a bit what like director that. does. I know, I know, but um, <laughs> yeah. So, but he did, however, retract the statement and has apologised. But I think, yeah, I genuinely get that. It it it's not necessarily a happy marriage, but it's definitely a really good one. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's. Um, because that thing outside the door as well, that's, again, like, in effect, that was a puppet underwater, which is how they get it to sort of, you know, like, like where it's sort of like... Yeah, the way the hair moves and... Yeah, they just filmed a puppet underwater and superimposed it. Well, not just, but that's yeah. what... Yeah, I said that like, I could do that tomorrow, like I'm fucking <laughs> knowing. But... <laughs> yeah, but, no, I but mean, again, like you say, yeah. I mean, but even that, you know, feels so tame compared to it kind of ramps up fairly slowly, as you're saying, it's kind of comical mm. and comic. And then that scene in the pool where it falls in the pool and all of a sudden all of those bodies are just coming out and dragging them. Oh, yeah. it just gets so out of hand so fast. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I like about it. It's that, it's, you know, it's that thing we've said about before where at what point does something that happens in your day make you go, yeah, we need to stop acting like everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah if, it, if it escalates yeah. slowly, you let it get out of hand. Because mm, at yeah. one point, you're like, 
we should probably stop this, but I'm not going to be the first person it's, to say he's yeah. a fucking ghost. Yeah. Yeah. And then there comes a point where you're like, I've just been drowned by 25 corpses in my own pool. I think something's pretty fucking weird right now. Of course. And you know they're real skeletons. What? <laughs> right. This is this is nah. one that because I I'd heard I'd heard half and half about this, but it does seem pretty clear that they used real skeletons. Um, basically, um, they were bought from a medical suppliers, <laughs> um, and it was basically like the assistant. Who is it? Yeah, Bruce Casson, who was the assistant prop master, said that replica skeletons of any accuracy didn't exist. For filmmakers at yeah. that time, so it was common practice. That. Well, uh, the example he used was House on Haunted Hill. The skeleton in that is a real skeleton. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, basically they were sort of like, and especially someone like Steven Spielberg's not going to have like a shit Halloween skeleton like that looks crap and yeah. you know with a with an eye and a worm. <laughs> you know, like one one staring eye and a worm. But um, looking at you, Italian zombies, <laughs> and they're looking at you with one eye <laughs> and a worm. But so yes, yeah, so it was quite common to use real skeletons, and and up until very recently, um, the Disney Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland um, had real skeletons in it. No, because. Yeah, because when they made it again, there was no such thing. So they treated it like a movie set. So they built it like that. So there were real skeletons there. I mean, there were, you know, like I say, there are people who presumably were aware that they had gone to medical. Well, yeah. mind you, it's like, what do you want to do? Do you want to? Be... I, I don't mind being left to medical science, but I got to star in a Steven Spielberg film. <laughs> do you know you what? Know. If somebody could take my skeleton after death and put it in a Disney haunted mansion. That would literally be a dream come true because I never made yeah. it there in my living life. Uh, mm. FYI, rewatched the Muppets Haunted Mansion last night. Way better mm. on a second viewing. Just going to leave that Ooh. there. Oh. But I think that um, also Joe Beth Williams didn't know they were real until afterwards. And apparently, <laughs> well, and, and well, I say apparently, quite rightly, had a bit of a fucking freak out about it because. Also, she's proper and, in with that. Like they're all touching yeah. her, and uh, well, apparently, uh, again, she was already worried because she was like, "Look, this pool's surrounded by lights. If one of these falls in, I'm mm. going to get electrocuted." Mm. And so Steven Spielberg jumped into the water and just went, "Right, we if both don't. You get electrocuted." <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> which, which I can see in one respect, but in the other respect, it's like, "Yes, but I am still dead." Yeah, yeah. I can't say I told you so in the afterlife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's not going to be much recompense that you two are dead, but yeah, it is. <laughs> so um, yeah, so she sort of like had a. But the the weird thing is, and I think again, people point that like the curse of poltergeist, mm. and it's because well, technically you're following your own like plot hmm. of it's like you fuck with you fuck around with dead bodies and shit happens and it's like yeah but you did fuck around with real dead bodies <laughs> and shit happened you know yeah you're so right i didn't of, think of that 
Yeah, so a lot of people sort of, I think on that basis that that's essentially what the story of the film is. You didn't move the bodies, just the headphones. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, so a lot of people have sort of like tried to say that that's why it's cursed, if you believe mm. it's cursed. So, yeah. That is a perfect jumping off point. I would like to say Craig T. Nelson and Joe Beth Williams, what a fantastic performance they both bring. Like, yeah, I'd forgotten just how lovable the two of them are in this film. Like, they're always good and they're always fantastic. But as a couple of parents of smaller children or whatever, they are just, they're just so good. Like, you're like, oh. Mm-hmm. They are almost the perfect parents. I mean, I know they're sitting in the bedroom smoking weed when the kids, but like, that's, that's, that's fine. Well, that's not bad parenting, is it, Chris? Yeah. So. Say they're hiding in the bedroom doing it. They're not just like, you know, you better sod off yeah, the bed yeah. now because dad's got a doob on the blow. Like, yeah, yeah, it's really have, a bang on, have a bang on that, Caroline. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and Heather O'Rourke as well. Like, I didn't realise she was that young when she filmed mm, it. Yeah. And it's it's that thing, it was one of those urban legend things where it was like, oh, did you know that woman's actually 30 years old or whatever? And you totally believe it because she acts like, a, yeah. like an adult. She's, well, because she can not act. like an adult. Yeah. Like, she can be in a film and act with actors and... You know, I don't. There's, I don't think there's anyone miscast in this. No, um, no, it's, yeah. you know, the and actually the parapsychologists I really yeah, believe it was Tangina. Yeah, no, no. Well, oh, is a whole different thing. Yeah, the initial, the initial three that come mm. in um, are like they're the like this... who come in a bit like the sort of Warrens, like Doctor Lesh, Marty, and Ryan. So yeah, when the woman's trying to um, sort of start explaining it and she's like mm. it may not be uh like supernatural and then the the thing moves across the table <laughs> yep. yeah well, yeah, it's no, also, it's... yeah I, I, but I, I think they feel like absolutely right as like a group mm. who are like the parapsychologists yeah. of the local university and yeah, totally and but also i do and they have never I'm... seen anything like this before yeah it's, that, it's, the, it's the bit where um where is it i think it's ryan's saying to him about um he says about the toy car that moved mm-hmm. and he's like oh yeah i had to time frame it because it took seven hours yeah. to cross the room and you're like wow and that's the best you've seen so far. yeah right you you wait until i take you upstairs because you are going to blow your fucking mind mate that's right because he tells him just outside the door doesn't he and he just kind of looks yeah. at him and then turns the door handle and he goes oh <laughs> so i've just spotted something that i hadn't seen before anyone who watches brooklyn 99 the guy at the beginning who is on the bmx with the case of beer under his arm uh, is Hitchcock oh, yes. from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. What the fuck? I was going to, funny enough, I was going to ask you, because I know you watch it, and I know, and I saw, like, him credited, but it was like, oh, he's, he's obviously in Brooklyn Nine-Nine a lot. I didn't really know him from anything myself, but, yeah. I did, but he's also in Prince of Darkness. Yes. And again, I can't place him. I, no, I, I think he clearly I remember looked him, but... very different when he was, I mean, to be fair, it was a bloody long time ago. Um, but he's amazing in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's 
just genius. So to say that he was in all these amazing horror mm. films in the 80s, I've just spotted it now. But oh, I, yeah. Do you know what? I felt for that poor fucker cycling on that BMX <laughs> with a case of beer under his arm. I've done that while watching football. And I don't even like football, yeah. which is why I always got sent out. Because if I didn't make it back yeah. for half time, I didn't You care. didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't have slowed down for those uh, remote control cars. I'd be like, if you drive in front of me while I'm cycling, that's your lookout, pal, when I run that car over with my bike. See, with and, with and a small wind... child's bike. It's not even his bike. Yeah. What, what I found with that, though, as well, is there was a part of me that was like, fucking hell, kids were like, you know, far too, uh, far too pandered to in the 80s. Where it was like, you know, I hadn't just gone over there and, like you say, just like, like smashing them fucking pieces or whatever like that. I'm going to take then, one of these cans of beer and knock the shit out of you for that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but then shortly after that, there's the bit where the 16-year-old daughter is leaving the house and the three builders are openly perving at her yeah. in front of yeah. the parents. And but, no one says a word. So The mother laughs about it. Sad, the mother sad. laughs. Yeah, but when she, the girl like obviously you know does some gestures at them but yeah the mother laughing that seems so weird to see that now yeah like, imagine it's, that I mean, it's a very fucking out of because the weird thing is again it's part of that maybe maybe that's a toby Hooper bit i don't know but it's like you know it feels like again that's not something you weirdly enough you would see in an 80s family film because it wouldn't have been considered wrong or, or sort of like it's like oh look at those crazy yeah. boys not Look at those three sex pests of yeah, exactly. a child. <laughs> yeah, you know. Now, two of those guys, two of those guys are one. One, the one who nicks the coffee, was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the um, guy at the radio station with Stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, what's his name? LG. Yeah, yeah, LG in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Chainsaw Massacre too. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, he, he's like, obviously he's in there, but where is it? I know I saw it. I wrote it down and everything. Where is he? Yeah. One of the guys working on the pool is Sonny Landon, who is Billy from Predator. Mm. Really? Yeah. And, and I had, and I had, now here's the weird thing with Predator and political ambition. Did you know that he stood as a candidate uh, as a candidate for the governorship of Kentucky in the in the two thousands? No. Yeah, yeah. He spent three years in the army on the insistence of the insurance company on the set of Predator. He had a bodyguard, but it was a bodyguard to stop him <laughs> if anything fucking picked off. Um, and. Um, yeah, he has now, um, he's lost both his legs um, to circulation problems. Was this um, so, yeah. yeah, this was um, 2016 and 2017. He lost, yeah, over the course of that, he lost both his legs. God. So, but I think, I think he's still looking to be a political candidate as well. I'm not sure for Kentucky or where for, but uh, yeah. So that was just a, a weird one out of the blue, and I was like, oh, fuck it, is he? But, yeah. <laughs> I just, 
I wanted to do a deep dive on him there just because, just in case we never did Predator. So <laughs> we will do Predator. It totally is a horror film. I know we discussed it on the last episode. Um, but yeah, it totally is. So, but um, Claire was, uh, Claire also spotted um, in, because uh, uh, Craig T. Nelson is the voice of Mr. Incredible in the uh, Incredibles yeah. uh, films. And she pointed out that in the first Incredibles film, there's a bit where he's doing, he's in front of the mirror and he's breathing in and then letting his gut hang out. <laughs> and it's like clearly in yeah. reference to, to this, because I was like, wow, yeah, I didn't, you know, it's something I didn't no. thought about. Yeah, Claire pointed it out. There is a bit where he's just like, nice the other thing that got me like i know obviously it's 1982 it's the right time for it but so much star wars memorabilia in that kid's room oh Oh, and i've wanted all of it i was i was particularly fucking jealous of the c3po light switch yes it has to be said i've never seen i've never seen one of those i've they had the Darth Vader, I also wanted their Darth Vader action figure carry case, which I believe could hold up to possibly 12 figures. Ooh. But, yeah. And he had an FX medi- FX7 medical droid. So, oh, and he's got the, the great Yoda puppet that I've got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another and thing. Like we- a, a full-size blaster, on solo blaster at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's sitting with it in his hand mm. on the chair, yeah. Um. The other thing that got me in this as well that I had completely forgotten. Again, we don't see him enough. Incredible dog actors. Yes, and he's uncredited. Oh man, I, that dog is not, not credited. It's fucking awesome. When the kids are leaving and he runs out to the car and then he stops and then looks back and then goes, "Oh no, fuck that!" and just jumps in the car. Yep. He's gone. It's just <laughs> such perfect timing. It's. You couldn't get a well, human to do better than that. And and the lovely doing the rounds of an evening of like just stealing all their food. <laughs> <laughs> it made us laugh because we said like, we were laughing at that. And then obviously there's the uh, the psychical researcher who's there. Yeah, mm. and he goes, oh, I'm gonna go and get something to eat. And Jennifer was like, You better ask the fucking dog because he clearly knows where everything is to be found. <laughs> Those fuckers eat them out of house and home. Yeah, surely you'd take a packed lunch or something or phone a pizza. You wouldn't just turn up in someone's home and go, right, we're here for three days. What you got going? Well, I don't, I certainly don't think you'd go in and decide, oh, a steak. Mm. (laughs) My uncle is an electrician and he once turned up to our house at half past six in the morning and asked my mum to make him a steam pudding and custard. (laughs) So I think it was. Thing. Oh right, okay. <laughs> it's parasite knowledge is what you do when you failed at running a cult. <laughs> oh, the builder had the coffee. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> oh but, yeah, yes. I, just, I, I thought that. I was like, you don't just go and raid someone's fridge. Oh, I'll eat this chicken drumstick while I'm cooking a massive steak. You're quite right. That was a massive ten-pound piece of steak, and it was like. That do and just threw it on the side, not in a plate. Didn't pick it up and put it in a pan. Just ah, chuck that on the side. Probably be alright. I'm yep. sure these people are washed up. They look pretty clean. It's 
but then again, you get that there's that's another thing I, I do like the, the the steak sort of explosion beastie monster weird thing that happens, and you're like, yeah, that's 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 a bit much, you know. In my <laughs> mind, again, it looks that sort of like you're slightly. Yeah, slightly gorier than I was expecting for the tone of this. <laughs> yeah, in my mind, it reminded me more of the, uh, funny enough, the Evil Dead 2, you know, where, like, stuff just suddenly turns into plasticine. <clears throat> and I was kind of expecting it to look like that. And then I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's really unpleasant. <laughs> it doesn't look like that at all. And when it just turned into maggots and stuff, I was like, oh, because he drops a chicken and yeah. it turns into maggots. Yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah, this gets really... And it is, it's that really sort of two-tonal thing from mm. overly happy music, overly comedic stuff going on to like mm. this really hardcore, well, not really hardcore, but because that's the thing. Like, I'm sure I saw this at 10 years old, maybe, and it didn't scare me, but I loved it. But yeah, when I watch it back now, I'm yeah. like, bits of it are definitely more impactful than I remember them being. I think that's I think that's why it's sort of it hasn't sort of dropped under the radar in that sense. Mm. But I mean, when you I mean, when you go back, I mean, Close Encounters has uh, I think it's also because, you know, the tone of the film, mm. like when mm. you go back and watch them. But like Close Encounters has bits that are scary. E.T. certainly does. I used mm. to be well freaked by the opening bit with him running through the woods, like the POV of him running through the woods. Yeah. He used to yeah. fucking freak the shit out of me as a kid. But so I think he always does, you know, all the sort of those family and like I say, Jurassic Park, they always have these sort of like. Yeah, like the start, the start of Jurassic Park is quite violent, isn't it? Where the guy's getting pulled, they, they mm. bring their dinosaur in and he's like, gets grabbed. One of the workers gets grabbed and pulled and it's like, oh, yeah, that's quite a, a serious yeah. start. But yeah, but it's interesting that you, you are left with this overall sense of it being more of a fun, you know, entertaining action with elements of horror but yeah then you know you're seeing some of it is quite full-on that's yeah. why it was perfect to cover it now because i've not mm. seen it in probably 20 years and i felt i remembered it being oh, it was all pretty tame yeah it, it, mm. it was fun when i was younger but it isn't something that's potent enough that i'd go back to it now like mm. i totally appreciate it was one of the bigger horror films of the 80s yeah. mm -hmm. so i i've you know i'm not saying it doesn't deserve its its respect but mm. it isn't one that I'd, I'd go back to regularly and then when i sat down and watched it this time i was like it totally does it that's does. Why it's so weird i hadn't heard anyone really talk about it much and that's why i was so surprised to find out it was steven Spielberg because in my head it was a kind of a um and again I remember seeing the cover in mm in the, uh, the video shop and it's like yeah I always thought it was way scarier even though it's got those horrible elements it's, it's not that scary um, I mean I guess I, watching it if you were young enough yeah it could could have been I think fundamentally and this this is going to sound wanky but I think fundamentally okay. that Steven Spielberg somehow manages to comfort you mm. oh yeah totally and, and I don't, I and I don't know what it is, how it is, or whatever like that. But even when scary Uncle Toby is round, 
talking about faces melting off and using real skeletons in the swimming pool. It's, it's still you know, not so too you're bad. Still, yeah, like, yeah, no. Is it, is it like you've got the support of your family? You've got the kind of the fun, you know, I mean, uh, just even the uh, remote control arguments, like, you know. Oh, with the Navy, yeah. That yeah, was so like, funny. I was like, yeah. just both put your remote controls down, <laughs> press the button on your TV, you lazy yeah, yeah. and nobody's yeah. got a problem. It really isn't difficult. <laughs> That stand-up yeah. row in the front garden over it, you pricks. <laughs> but but you got to remember though, remote control at that point was probably like a pretty new thing, right? Relatively, you know, it's like, well, I've got my remote. I want to use that. Well, now that well, the trouble is, is that still happens. There's still crossovers. It's like you you must have had it where you buy a doorbell and the fucker across the roads <laughs> on the same frequency. Yeah, you, been so there. Yeah, and actually, I was. I mean, it was. I, won't go into it, but there was like this on a true crime thing I was listening to. There was uh, someone who basically, uh, someone had been like, was being held prisoner and tortured. And they found out because someone bought a baby monitor and it was like a wireless video. Oh, they picked monitor, it up. But the person at the other end was oh. using it in the dungeon that they were keeping the child in. And so they put it on, and it's like that's not our that's not our child's nursery. That is some dungeon somewhere, and yeah, and fucking yeah. hell, bloody hell. But it's funny you saying that about it being like Steven Spielberg creates this family friendly feel. It's exactly the same as we had with Jaws. Jaws yeah. is a yeah. really yeah. fucking no, violent yeah. film, but yeah. you show it to kids because you're, you're still like left. Steven you're Spielberg left with makes you feel. Yeah. All fluffy yeah. and nice, and you just kind of what, go with but it. But while you're watching it, it's, it is a bit more full on. But afterwards, yes. in your mind, you just you forget go, oh. some of that a little bit. <laughs> well, funnily enough, I mean, what you said about Poltergeist is pretty much what you said about Jaws mm. when we watched yeah. that, where it was like, it's not a film that I go back to. I know it's a classic. Yeah. And then you watch it, and it's like, fucking it's hell, like, actually, well, that this, is, yeah. yeah. This is a lot, sort of, there's a lot more to it, and there's a lot sort of you know harsher than you mm. expect them to be yeah much deeper much more to it and yeah mm. um now i have just clicked on steven spielberg because i brought him up on imdb have you done this adam uh, i have but i did it for jaws so okay well, so the top uh credit currently is gremlins 3 announced oh yes <gasps> yeah no i've heard what heard there is oh, i did not know this no yeah <laughs> Yep, Gremlins it, 3 is a boot in a boot. Is only announced, so it could be many years from now. But. This this could be could be almost as exciting as Hocus Pocus 2. Oh. We'll see. We shall see. I don't know. I haven't really read much about it, but I have heard lots of back and forth with people. And I don't know whether this is people supposing rather than knowing but there seems to be a lot of people saying about you've got to keep them as puppets. So mm. I don't know whether yeah. the inference is that I, they I were hope, doing CGI. I they've I consulted know. with Jordan and Peele. Jordan Peele, no, Jordan Peele and, and Peele. 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 <laughs> Peele. 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 Oh, yeah, because that's that sketch about the... Yeah, uh, yeah back Gremlins Gremlins too. too. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is fantastic. They must have seen <laughs> that. Like, they must have done. Yeah. And I can only imagine them enjoying it. Like, I can't imagine people who make such such entertaining and fun films not not getting the joke and being dickheads about it. So, yeah, we shall see. 
but I, yeah, I've no idea. I mean, it's again, it's one of those ones that seems to have been hovering around for about 10 years or something like that. So it's, I think it's just the whole thing where it's like everyone now they've remade so many films that it's almost like, well, what's left? What can yeah. we suggest that someone will probably remake next? Um, I mean, why not just do what they did with Spider Man, just remake it every three years, you know, and then. You know, you can bring all the actors back for a reunion. They've essentially turned it into Doctor Who. So, and the thing is, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But it's fine. Like, it's you know, it's... is, is Spider Man getting better every reboot? I think it. I have it, absolutely it no is. idea. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. is it. I think. It, well, my problem is every time I watch each one of them, I'm like, oh, this is great. Because I just like Spider Man, so I just don't care how rubbish it is. So it's like this is just good. Oh. And then now I think this is the best one, but I don't know. I've got to admit, the Sam Raimi ones, I was a bit like, this is just a bit wank. But that was back when superhero films were that basically before the whole they MCU became, thing ever started. Mm. And then all of a sudden you can go, oh shit, you can actually do them and make them cool. Because I mean, mm. if you. You look at the Raimi ones, you go, yeah, they were fine. And then you suddenly compare that to the MCU version and you go, yeah, it wasn't. It, it really wasn't. It was crap. I mean, I'll tell you what, I, I, I can honestly say I wouldn't know just because I've seen Spider-Man, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, and I refuse to go any further because, uh, until, you know, I want to watch things in order. Oh, wait, yeah, this but, is your whole but, MCU But every time problem. I watch... no. Every time I watched Spider-Man 2, a fucking disaster happened. I'd get about halfway Ooh. through, and then it's like suddenly, you know, your mum's collapsed with flu. Suddenly everyone's been uh, caught with explosive diarrhoea. Curse Gen of Spider-Man. Oh, genuinely. Like, the fucking, uh, watching it once, the fucking electric blew. <laughs> and it's like, I'm just not going to sing this. Yeah. Right, so skip That's it. Cursed film. Go to Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> It's everything you need. Mm. It's, oh, but again, it's but again, this is the thing. I'm still stuck at the far end of the Marvel Universe where it's yeah. like I've seen all the first ones, but that's about it. Have so, you seen uh, Guardians of the Galaxy yet? It, no, it of course not. Oh, fuck just, off. We, 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 will, we, will hear, we will either hear lots of positives or lots of negatives as soon as that happens. You know what? Happens. Fuck I the next episode. Know. Let's watch Guardians yeah, forget, of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah, yes, we need yes. to do I, this. I, I, I just said, I just said to Shelley, look, we watched it about a month ago. Is it too soon to watch it again? <laughs> well, what I was going to say was, is, you know, I think that there, I, definitely in my head, I would like to expand Moss Eisley Happy Hour out. Mm, in that would be a very you good can look at other, You can additional... look at other things in that sort of Star Wars. It's, it is, it is, it like is very Star Wars-ish. Totally. Yeah. And that's because I mean, basically, I had to do that, so I actually watched the last fucking film. And, and similarly, how glad it were you to I watch that? Yeah. The schedule. <laughs> I will schedule. Right, Guardians that's it. of the Galaxy. Moss Eisley is mm. going to be Guardians of the Galaxy one for one episode, two for the next episode. Two for I will yep. absolutely one hundred percent come on for both of those because those films are just mm. epic, genuinely. Yeah. Epic. Well, there we go. Because also, I'll tell you what we are going to do. We're going to have to do the black hole. Because talking about talking about like 
films that have a um, sort of bringing it back to Poltergeist, but films that have a very dissonant mm. feel to them. It's like, here's a cute robot. He's like a wacky version of, he's like a wisecracking version of R2-D2, <laughs> only he floats and he's got the voice of Ronnie McDowell, <laughs> followed by Norman Bates. He's disemboweled by the spinning blades of a security robot. <laughs> Quite obviously. And you're like, oh, and this is fucking Disney. Sorry, you just reminded me yet again of something else that I watched and didn't even bother to write on my notes. Rewatched the whole of Truth Seekers last week. Oh, fair enough. Okay. And wasn't I, relevant enough. Well, yeah, I, I, I actually, I, again, I think I, I think I enjoyed it more the second time than the first time. Um, but yeah, again, I'm just smashing through so much stuff in the run up to Halloween. I've watched the whole of what we do in the shadows, seasons one and two, and half of season three since we well, last season Season three starting on BBC next week, so I'll finally oh, get then to catch I, then up. Then I definitely it. haven't started it because I couldn't possibly have watched it legally, so I must have imagined it, and I haven't started it yet at all. But I definitely no, watched seasons one and two again. No, you've got FX, haven't you, Lee? The TV station that was showing it. Yeah, you, no, you I do, but I don't know it's legal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's uh, well, never mind. But I do. <laughs> However, if you are looking for stuff to watch, I will say this. And this is bringing us right back to Poltergeist. Watch Anguish with Zelda Rubenstein, mm -hmm. who plays uh, Tangina. Because that is a film. Oh, it's just brilliant. Genuinely brilliant. I watched it because not for everyone covered it. And basically, uh, Zelda Rubenstein plays an evil psychic mother who sends her son out to murder people, but it's also kind of a film within a film. It is fucked. It's fucking brilliant. Seriously. And Zelda Rubenstein's amazing in it. I mean, let's face it. I think you could argue that at one point, Poltergeist begins to flag and they immediately bring in Tangina. Yeah. And you are, you know, that's the ball rolling again. Because she is brilliant. She is. Yeah, she is. Absolutely brilliant character. It's funny, how have we not talked about Tangina until this point? Um, yeah, she comes. The bit I loved is I'd forgotten about the bit when he says, I was thinking of a question and she didn't answer it. And then from the very top of the stairs, she shouts down, I could hear you, <laughs> but well, I didn't want to do it on command or something. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, oh, it. shit. <laughs> she's just incredible. Like I, her... I liked her monologue where she was, she's talking for a while and I'm like, I'm sort of staring, thinking, and I'm thinking about her voice as well. And then she says like something like, do you, did you understand that? And the mother goes, no, but yeah. I was like, thinking just exactly the same. No, but you can just carry on talking. It's fine. I don't, yeah, just, I don't care what you talk about. It's her voice good. just draws you. Yeah. It's so relaxing and so, oh, she's such a lovely person. Like, oh, it's, she's it, wonderful. I think also, and this is something that I think definitely has a, a, a thing with Poltergeist, which is weird, much like 
how we both love, we all love um, Devil Rides Out, mm. despite the fact the end of Devil Rides Out is, well, God showed them in the end. <laughs> Good old God. <laughs> and similarly with this, you know, it's like the spiritualists turn up and in my universe, it's like, right, get them fuckers out. They're on the boat. Mm. My but, bullshit you know, meter is going off like nobody's fucking business. Yeah, <laughs> but within the bells, but Tangine is just brilliant, and yeah, I think it's um, a fucking masterful performance. And actually, Claire pointed out something which I think is very, very, very true: is that it is a shock that she has never been picked up on. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race they have a they always do a show every season where they have a thing called Snatch Game and what it is is basically blankety blank and they're because it's the in America that's called the Match Game yeah and um, yeah and they, they just the drag queens all are a panel of celebrities so they're doing celebrity impressions and they're, they're some I mean sometimes it's, it, it veers from fucking awful to like incredible some of these things you know it's, it really is like a mixture but in general they're the best episodes that you get but Tangina is exactly the kind of character that you would imagine someone doing on there <laughs> and it's just so surprising that someone's not there because it's such an obvious because it's like it's a character mm. do you know what I mean that you can mm. create uh, quite easily and sort of evolve. It's a very quite specific easily. look and a very specific mm. voice. Like yeah. if you look vaguely like it and sound vaguely like it, people immediately go poltergeist. Yeah, yeah. Like it's you've, very you've hard to got, not. You've already got over that recognition barrier, sort of thing, and it's like yeah, and but I mean, so so I read up on uh, Zelda Rubenstein. She and uh, Heather O'Rourke are actually the only ones who appear in all three films. Mm -hmm. um, but um, the the majority of the family appear in number two. But um, yeah, they're the only ones who run all the way through the films. But um, she um, she only went into acting at the age of 45. She had a, de she had a degree in um, bacteriology and... Mm -hmm. Uh, basically was a lab technician for years and was getting sort of, I think she just got bored here, sort of mid-life sort of, you know, I want to do something else. So she moved into acting and this was actually her second film role. No. Yeah. That's incredible. So, Not only because yes. it's such a massive role in a huge Steven Spielberg film, mm. but because she totally fucking owns that, like, yeah. like someone who's been doing it for decades. Yeah. It's incredible. Because yeah. she comes in with, she, like you say, she comes in with that feel that you almost have, like, if this was a TV movie, if it's like, oh, there's the other big name that we saw in mm. the opening credits, where it's like, yeah. and... Joan Collins or mm. Anne's you know, as and soon as she strides into the room she draws mm. focus every single time she is in a scene you can't look at anybody else because she yeah. just she dominates every scene she's in it's incredible it's, it's a weird charisma of uh, just yeah she's just brilliant and actually when I was reading about this the good thing was is it finally explained to me a film that I'd got to the point of thinking I dreamt which, um, but there's a film, she's in the 
first film she was in was a film called Under the Rainbow, which is a Chevy Chase comedy co-starring Carrie Fisher mm-hmm. about a um, dwarf Nazi assassin going to America, but accidentally getting mixed up with the cast of Munchkins from um, The Wizard of Oz. Fuck off. And That's never a film. That's, you've that, had too much to smoke and fallen asleep. 100%. <laughs> that this, can't happen. This, if if this, you haven't, then we can watch this on most Eisley. This was... Oh, <laughs> fuck, fuck no. I do not want to go back and see this because I because this was, <laughs> this, this was one of those things where I think my like my dad would you like a lot of dads in the 80s it'd go down the video shop and it's like right what films does everyone like right everyone likes and it was basically yeah um bill murray dan Aykroyd, john belushi chevy chase that Mm. sort of saturday night live lineup yeah we liked pretty much any films that they did or like you know um airplane and stuff like that but it was all those sort of 80s comedies and so as we went through we chewed through a lot of them so we saw a lot of more obscure ones Mm. and obviously this was a rental but I just remember it being like oddly disturbing and no one really laughing at it either you know it was like because I just wrote it down it was like must get at ill costs but no, 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 no. As, as, no. as I recall, certainly the impression that I got, I must have been, Jesus Christ, there was probably like six or seven or whatever like that. And we've watched it as a family, but we might watch the Blues Brothers as a family, which yeah. admittedly is why I have problems not swearing, because I was watching the Blues <laughs> Brothers. Instead. But, you know, it's, um, but similarly, yeah. So I think it was sort of, but I, my memory of it is just so sort of like, bleak and odd and like what was that funny or what was that and basically all the films would do rotation so Mm. it'd be like you know oh well we've rented we've we've rented all the good bill murray films so stripes has come out once a month (laughs) or whatever do you know what i mean like you sort of work your way through all you you you, you know whatever and um Yeah, but I remember this only appeared once and was never rehired again. <laughs> we never and discussed it, like, it again. <laughs> yeah, it was it was like it was like a, a shame that we just took upon ourselves and hid. Um, but yeah, to, but that's I now know it's actually a film and read about it, and it was like right now I remember it properly. But for years, like I say, it had almost become like, did I dream that? Mm. Because. Weirdly enough, the one thing I remembered the, was the premise of Nazi assassin in The Wizard of Oz with the Munchkins. And, you know, that's a, that's a weird thing to carry with you for all these years. <laughs> yeah. So to finally find out that what that fucking film was and sort of exorcise it. Yeah. It's very similar. I had a thing. So my, my dad used to do the same. And he used mm. to go when our local rental shop, you know, when they got something in and then nobody rented it anymore and they'd sell it on. Yeah. So he bought a film and it was a 45 minute, you like universal monsters thing. So it was a cartoon, but it was, um, so basically uh, Dr. Frankenstein had made Frankenstein's bride 
and had invited the creature from the Black Lagoon and Dracula and the Wolfman and they'd all come to Transylvania, to Transylvania Astoria for this wedding. <laughs> oh, and I remembered it literally scene for scene. Didn't know what it was called, couldn't find it anywhere. And then when I got on the internet, it was one of those mm. things, at least once every six months when I was blackout drunk, I'd be like, I'm going to find it tonight. And I'd go and I'd type in all the keywords and I'd search and I wouldn't find it. And after about five years, I one day found it. And I was so over the moon when I was like, oh, I never imagined it. And then I found a VHS copy of it from the US and I ordered it and it came over here and it was fucking unwatchable. But not because it was crap, <laughs> but because the VHS quality was so bad. Yeah. But the, it's on YouTube now. So I watch it on a regular basis. So go and check out Mad, Mad, Mad Monsters. It was Canada's uh, attempt to do the Mad Monster Party with Boris Carl. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So they went, instead of claymation, we'll do it animated because it's way fucking easier. Um, oh, I'm God. Try that. I might try Ted with that, actually, because he's gone well Halloween. He has. We were, well, watching it at, it loved- we were watching it at four or five years old. Like, it is, there's nothing at all scary in it. It's called Mad, Mad, Mad Monsters. It's all on YouTube. It's really good fun. We love the shit out of it. So, uh, and I still do. It's one of those, I, since I found it's on YouTube, I'm not going to lie, I've probably watched it six times in the last <laughs> two years as a 43-year-old man. Well, very, yeah, but bloody right too. <laughs> um, but uh, Zelda Rubenstein is, uh, was uh, four foot three. Um, yeah. And, um, but she, uh, she only she only died in 2010 and she was still working up to the end. She's in like Southland Tales and stuff like that. Oh, really? Um, yeah, she's in uh, Little Witches. And the last last film she did was that Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. I don't know if you've heard about it, Lee, but it's like, a, no. I've, I've not seen it, but it's um, meant to be a reasonably good, like, uh, serial killer movie. Um, okay. Not, not, a, not a crappy one. She would say, and um, but yeah, so she was uh, outspoken activist, um, not only for uh, little people, but also uh, she was one of the first um, people to campaign actively with regard to AIDS. Like oh, AIDS awesome. Go her. And she's awesome for AIDS, but you know, go her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. A- Boo eggs. Yes. <laughs> um, but nobody's cheering for AIDS now. No, <laughs> but um, yeah, we scream for ice cream. <laughs> but um, but no, apparently, and apparently, she appeared in a series of adverts playing a mother who was telling her uh, son about safe sex hmm. and stuff like that. And yeah, it was just sort of like. But again, apparently, that then meant. She didn't get any work because it's like, oh, you don't want trouble around, do you? you know, there she really? goes, caring about people. So, <laughs> fucking. And, um, but yeah, but I mean, she's sort of, and basically, I mean, I think she, I think she auditioned four times for Poltergeist. So they were obviously aware that it was like, right, she's really good. But equally, like you say, she, you know, it's her, literally her second film. Yeah. And you're like, you, you, you want to check, but, I mean, what a fucking 
bullseye. You know, she's yeah. just she and and weirdly enough, it's something that definitely I felt is possibly one of the reasons why I err uh, towards Poltergeist too. Is the one thing this film lacks, and again, it's probably a Spielbergian thing. Is it? It lacks a protagonist, an antagonist, mm. in that you've got like a lot of stuff like Jaws, you know, even like Jurassic Park, the um, Close Encounters. They're all sort of they're either abstract or nature, almost, mm. or in this case, supernature, I suppose but they don't have any sort of, you don't have a villain. Yeah. Well, in Jaws, possibly the mayor is. Yeah. Mind you, mind you again, that's more of a prison. Yeah, it's 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 not, it's not a main. He's not the main. But he does have a big effect. But he is an arsehole. In in Poltergeist, Mr. Teague is the mayor Vaughn of Poltergeist. Yeah. The guy who's like, oh, well, we just moved to the, you know, the his boss at the real estate agency. Yeah. Um, uh, and, um, yeah, he's, um, what's his name? James Caron, yeah. That's a fantastic <laughs> performance from him as well. Like, I know he's, I've seen him in loads of other stuff as well, but his yeah, performance in, in this is solid. He, well, he's in, he's in Return of the, he's the uh, mortuary owner in Return of the Living Dead, or like the supplies office owner in not uh, return of the living dead holy shit yeah he is <gasps> yeah have we not covered that <laughs> i know that's another one we gotta do but um and he's like been in mulholland drive and um just loads and loads of stuff he's been like lots of tv and stuff but apparently when he was uh when he was in poltergeist he was doing adverts for a supermarket in the states at the time and he started getting letters from people who told him they were boycotting the supermarket because of how appallingly he treated the family in Poltergeist. <laughs> see, now you that know. is a compliment. That's how good an actor you are, is that people yeah. can see you in two roles and be so upset by one yeah. that they boycott yeah, was... the other. Why can't you leave that poor family alone? <laughs> And he's, Fucking yeah. people! What is wrong with people? Oh, uh, what is wrong with the people around here? With... It's like the recent thing. So, um, last weekend I went back randomly and rewatched the first two episodes of uh, Game of Thrones. Mm. Um, and that was the same with that. So, the boy king in that—I won't give anything away for anybody who hasn't yet seen Game of Thrones. Um, mm. but the actor who played the boy king in that, yeah, I'm sure I read in several places that he basically stepped away from acting because he was sick of people telling what arsehole he was. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, because he plays a fantastic character. So well, not because like, he's an arsehole, but because yeah. he does an amazing job at selling that character. Yeah. But with a time scale like that, you don't get to do anything in between. So you play that character for six or seven That's years. Nobody know knows anything yeah. else you've done. Like, mm. so I kind yeah. of get it, but, how can you hate an actor for playing a fantastic well, role? Like, I think I, I think the best example of it was there's a comedian called uh, Toby Haydo who's a uh, like massive um, Doctor Who fan, and he said he said about like it was like he did a show about it, and he was like, "Oh, um, I remember being a kid and writing to actors, 
and saying like, oh, I really enjoyed when you played this character in Doctor Who, when you played that character, or, you know, I also then spotted you in Bergerac and you were really good in that. Or what did you do? And he said, and then he he's also an actor. And he said, the only letters he's received um, as an actor were from grown-ups asking him if he can marry them because he played a fucking vicar in Corrie. <laughs> And, he's, and that is his question. It's like uh, people say that, you know, sci-fi fans are fantasists. <laughs> and it's like, he said, I was seven years old and I'm writing very, you know. I knew, actors, I knew better than I, I knew, yeah. <laughs> I knew he really wasn't a general who brought Martians to the fucking planet Earth. But, you know. Oh, God. <laughs> but we have danced a merry dance. But we must obviously descend into crude tabloid sensationalism and look at the curse. Yeah, mm. let's get it over so, with. Yeah, so, I mean, the curse really stems from two things. Um, and it's something that feeds into um, the later films as well. It's actors who appeared in Poltergeist 2 died pretty soon after Poltergeist 2 was made. But basically, um, other than... I mean, Robbie got off lightly by beat. Also, just just pausing. Isn't it clear that Robbie is not the favourite kid? Because you know what the funny thing is, I remembered. Obviously, I remember Caroline. I remember Robbie. Didn't even remember there was another sister. And then when I started watching, it, I was like, "Oh fuck yeah!" There was an older sister. She's such a throwaway character. I forgot she was even in it. So I apologise to her because she does a really good job in it. But I'd just forgotten she even existed. Unfortunately, she unfortunately she's part of the curse. Mm. <gasps> um, oh, yeah. Oh, so that's Dom, that's Dom, that's Dominic Dunn. Is that the actor's name? She is the brother. Oops, oh, sorry, uh, her brother is. Um, Oh, uh, Griffin Dunn from American Werewolf. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's that's that's his sister. But basically, she was do she was doing quite sort of well at the time. She was sort of like appearing in lots of uh, TV and sort of getting lots of film roles and stuff like that. Um, but she was dating a chef from Ma Maison, um, a piece of shit called John Sweeney. Um, who was basically, it was an abusive relationship he was controlling. And apparently the last thing, the last role she played was she played a domestic abuse victim in um, Hill Street Blues and didn't actually need makeup because mm. this prick was knocking her about. Um, so, it was, and it was, like a, it was like a famous thing within her sort of social circle that she was with this guy who was like just just a fucking cunt um, I just don't no, I, I, I've never been close enough to a situation like that but I just don't understand and nobody says anything I just like they I, don't, I mean they maybe possibly do but I suppose it's dependent on it's dependent on so many factors I suppose you know, the other the, thing is you don't want to bring it up to them because then if they know that you know, they might cut you off. So, like, I don't... Yeah, I can't it's, imagine. It, I mean, it's, it's, just... 
it's a tricky thing, but I mean, it was, and not only that, but also you've got to remember is it probably wasn't as taboo. Fortunately, it is more yeah. and more of a taboo thing where people, but you know, it's kind of, it was an accepted thing that someone was knocking some, like knocking their wife about or whatever like that, you know. And, but basically on the 30th of October, 1982, uh, she, phoned him and said right it's over that's it i've had enough so she was at home rehearsing with an actor because uh she was gonna she'd been um she'd got a role in v you know mm-hmm. the uh, miniseries yeah. right, of, of v yeah uh, v the final battle that's it um and basically this guy sweeney drove around to her house had a row with her on the driveway and strangled her into unconsciousness and brain death. Um, he gave himself up to the police when they attended the incident. They took her to hospital and then her family turned off her life support after five days when it was clear that she just was not, she was brain dead. Mm. Um so he was originally he was arrested for attempted murder, but then he was charged with first degree murder. Um, he was eventually convicted of voluntary manslaughter and misdemeanor assault and served eight years in prison, of which he served three and a half. And and he's still around, changed his name, moved away, you know, the usual sort of stuff. But yeah. So um, so that's the first so you get that happens um and obviously you know that is horrific and it obviously is all over the papers and everything so and poltergeist have just been released the same year Mm. so it's like poltergeist girl murdered type headlines Mm. you know whatever and um so that immediately sort of was a connection in there but it wasn't the sort of where the, the curse thing then you've got poltergeist two and two of the actors um who appeared in that julian beck who played reverend kane and um will sampson who played uh taylor uh the native american in it and um basically yeah they uh they died not long after completing poltergeist two now the point was i mean julian beck was in Poltergeist 2 with inoperable stomach cancer. Yeah, I was going to say he, he was. He, he, he knew. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he looked. He looked very, very ill, and he was basically working to. Um, you know, he, he's an actor, so he was just taking on roles and trying to sort of just continue his job, essentially like that. So he knew full well that he was dying. So it wasn't like the film. Cursed called him. that, mm. you know, cursed him. And similarly with Will Sampson, I think he, he died of complications. He like had um, a kidney transplant. And um, yeah, he just died of complications after that. But then, and I think also, again, it's like bringing it back to its, I suppose it's the age really, is obviously you've then got Heather O'Rourke, died during the filming of Poltergeist 3. Hmm. Um, and how old was she then? She was 12 at that point. 
Mm. And and I mean, in fairness, I mean, it's it, it's a horrible thing to say, but she she doesn't look well in the in the film mm. um, and basically what happened was is she'd had a parasitic bowel infection from drinking well water mm. um, and uh, when they were treating that they misdiagnosed her with uh, Crohn's disease so she was on medication for that um, then on February the 1st 1988 she uh, developed flu-like symptoms uh, collapsed on the floor. They called an ambulance, and she had a heart attack in the ambulance. Mm. Um, but they, the paramedics, were able to save her. Then got her to hospital. Um, they actually realised that at that point that she was actually suffering from intestinal stenosis, which is a narrowing of organs. So in this case, like the, they've become restricted and blocked, mm. and. <coughs> excuse me <coughs> um, so they um, put her into emergency surgery but she then suffered a cardiac arrest uh, following the surgery and um, so yeah and she is buried at the same uh, cemetery the West Memorial uh, the Westwood Memorial Park in Los Angeles which is also where Dominic Dunn is uh, buried mm. And when they were making Poltergeist 3, I know the director, uh, Gary Sherman, who did, um, did Deathline, um, he was very unhappy that basically he wanted to stop and they made him complete the film. Mm. Like, it was basically, right, you're under contract, you know, you've got to do this. Uh, but he was really, he just felt it was disrespectful and, you know, especially because the the point of the film is that Caroline of the films is that Caroline is always in danger mm. and is always possibly going to be killed. And I think he was like, you know, this is all a bit much in it. Close to home. But they, um, yeah. But uh, so they did. And that probably is it, difficult though, because like, is it, mm. is it ultimately better to have finished it? Like for her, I mean, like, and her I family, would they have preferred? I don't know. I, I presume they approved. I it's, mean, I don't know. Like, I, if it's a good film and she she did do a you know a good performance yeah. in it, it's sad I, I mean, to pass that. Perhaps. But yeah, no, I don't know. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, it's money one. Yeah, well, so, yeah. Whether whether people felt it was right or not, someone was mm. like, "Well, I'm not losing money on this. Yeah. So I get fucking doing it," mm. which is it is a film business, but then business is very cruel. Mm. Uh, but equally, but, I mean, um, I think if I was, a, you know, a bit like, you know, like, you know, with Brandon Lee or whatever, like, mm, I think, yeah. if, you know, if I was really into a role and I was really pleased with it, if I died a couple of scenes before the end, I'd be like, yeah, just shoot me, shoot somebody else yeah. from behind, it'll be fine. Like, I'd rather that than it just Rob, gets canned and thrown yeah. away and nobody ever sees it. And you're like, I'm so pleased with what I did. <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot. I think a lot of actors would be like that. They'd rather see the, the the thing finished, mm. um, and out there rather like like you say rather than it sort of like not happen. Because actually, I mean, I know that uh, Heather O'Rourke, like being interviewed, she always said that um, she wanted to move into directing. Mm. She was sort of like she 
she was like, oh, well, I've done acting. It's okay, but I think directing looks more interesting. And I've done acting at 12 done. years old. I need yeah, a bigger yeah. project. <laughs> acting? <laughs> to be oh, fair, shit. yeah, she totally did, though. To be fair, she totally yeah. fucking smashed it. It wasn't like, yeah. oh, I'm going to take 20 years to hone this, and then I'm going to look for something new. I, I, mm. um, a bit like, oh, what was her name from E.T.? Oh, Drew Barrymore. Yeah, Drew Barrymore. Yeah, exactly the same. Yeah, smash that by 12 years old. What's what's next on the list? I'm going to direct now. Yeah, fuck it. I'm going to go on and do that. Like, I think that's a, a wonderful thing to, mm. to say, well, I've been in the industry. I've learned the skill. I really enjoyed what I did. But actually, I think I could do a better job. In, and most I mean, people that point, don't get been, to do that. At that point, she'd been seven years in the film industry. That's do you know what I mean? It's like, time. It's, but, it's a know, long but... time. But I think also, um, uh, I think that um, it's like the sort of, it's the weird sort of parallel uh, parallel with Zelda Rubenstein where it was like 45. Yeah. yeah. Just decides to be an actor after never having any, Not it wasn't like she was like doing Amdram or had mm. studied to be an actor, you know, had wanted to be an actor and not, done it or whatever like that she was just like suddenly made the decision and i think yeah and actually they i i sort of i won't do it in the voice but i've um i got a quote from her there was someone interviewing her in 88 um saying like oh they've cursed the film you, you know the film is cursed and obviously now you know heather o'rourke surely that's you know she's so young it's obviously quite um, and her response to it was, um, I owe it to Heather to present her case as most honestly and lovingly as I can. I love this child very much, and I'm still very grieving, uh, very grieved at her passing. Heather died because of an undetected congenital anatomical defect. Julian Beck died from cancer in his mature years. Will Sampson passed away after receiving a heart and lung transplant. My understanding, he had an environmental disease. And Dominic Dunn died at the hands of an extremely ill-directed, passionate boyfriend. These are reasons I, I do not call this a jinx. I think it's pretty much a courtesy to put an end to this superstitious crap. And it's like, yeah, actually... Couldn't you know, agree more with that. That's she's, she's got her head screwed yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's face it. I mean, she seems, she seems like a sort of top person mm. and i think yeah. she sits up so beautifully because at the yeah. end of the day it does it demeans from various things you know you've got uh, on one hand a tragedy on another hand a, a fucking a, a capital crime essentially mm. or should you should have been and it's sort of yeah it's very sort of um and, and also it's we've covered curses with the exorcist and the omen and stuff like that and pretty much everyone on those agrees that it's like well, it's fucking good publicity, but uh, yeah. But no, <laughs> if you've got 400 people working on a thing for a year, some of those people yeah. are going to have some bad mm. luck. It's just what's going to happen. And, and yeah. any time it is a horror film, they, you know, you're going to instantly think there's more to it. Well, and, and again, like I say, I mean, a lot of people, uh, well, uh, a lot of people who, you know, probably will tell you that they're a typical star sign. <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. Gonna, I didn't even want to offend a particular one. Yeah. But the, you know, but 
they're the, but they'll be also this um, people where it's like, oh well, it's probably the uh, skeletons that they used because they use real skeleton. They used real skeletons in in the pool <laughs> in the pool sequence. And if the film teacher anything, it's don't mess with the dead, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. Like I mean, as you say, that, that's the perfect example of it, is the fact that Julian Beck is mentioned in that. And it's like, okay, mm. so he was dying. He wanted to get a few more films in under his belt and was willing to use his personal problems that he was going through yeah. in the aid of film. You, mm. can't, you can't class that as a curse. He knew he was dying before he got it, and he got the job because he looked like he was dying, because he was like you can't then it's say chicken, and then he dies not long after well yeah of course because that was always what was good but i i love that like again like mm. i was saying you know if i died halfway through a film i'd want it to be finished i'd be the same if i was an actor all my life and i suddenly you know had something like that i'd be like make use I can of it use this yeah, yeah. Mm. like you, you'd feel awful saying to somebody we want you to look like you're at death's door Whereas actually, if you're like, you want someone who looks mm. like Dev's door, I am. I can still do the job. Yeah. I can totally come. To, I, I've got so much respect for that. I mean, that's, mm. that's I'm somebody a, you I'm could a have. I'm waiting. Use me. Yeah, exactly. Like, you could just sit in your front room and kind of retire, or you could allow the craft that you've always loved to make the most of your unfortunate situation. Like, that's... Oh, that's, that's charity is what that is. That's fantastic. Here, here's one for you. And this is something that I still I still would stand by. Um, and this is going to completely, because uh, I don't know if this program is seen elsewhere. So this might really confuse our overseas listeners for a moment. But, you know, Taggart, and obviously the bloke yeah. who played Taggart died. Hmm. And then they sort of stumbled on with the show with the people who'd been with him. In the show, like his, um, like second in command and so on and so forth, they were all like they continued the show. I thought I'd have left it in my will that you could use my body <laughs> in the show, and then the next series could have been them find out who killed Taggart. Mm. Yeah, <gasps> that'd be awesome. Which would have been, you know, mm-hmm. rather than um, it's, again, it was one of those things where I, I was a bit disappointed when it finished because I would love to have had that conversation one day with Ted where it's like, I watched this Scottish police thing last night. Oh, yeah. Only thing is, I can't understand. Why is it called Taggart? Oh, well, you see, ages ago, there was a bloke in it called Taggart, but he died, so they, uh, <laughs> they just kept the name. <laughs> it's funny you saying that. That has just reminded me of something that I can't believe went on for so long, um, which was... The first time I was ever introduced to Adam, we had a friend at school, again, it's only going to work for the British listeners, um, who looked like Tosh Lines from the bill. Um, <laughs> and I went over and said hello to him. And Adam went, what are you talking to Tosh Lines for? And he went, no, no, he's Tosh Lines. And then for at least a decade, I always knew Adam as Tosh, despite the fact nobody yeah. else called him that because he didn't look anything <laughs> like the character. But because that was how we were introduced, I held that for years. And whenever anyone asked, I was like, because he looks like Tosh Lyons. And I went, they fucking don't. They don't look anything like him at all. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, I had Tosh Lyons waistband, but that fucking <laughs> red is in. 
Oh, so right. yeah, excellent. Right. <laughs> so now we've alienated all our foreign listeners. Um, yeah. Thanks ever so much for listening, everyone. Um, we hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. We are going to cover society as we discussed previously. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. um, also, I'd written down the ninth gate because I sort of because I was thinking about it during the week and went, "We've got to fucking cover that next." But actually, we'll cover the, society. The Johnny Depp one. Yeah. Well, we'll do that. After, we'll do that afterwards. There you go. Take That's us that out. Covered, then. Take right. us out of the eighties before I suggest we do Return of the Fucking Living Dead as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and, then, and, and suddenly we're just one of those podcasts that only does eighties horror. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, we. We're sort of mainlining Chris now. It's when there was so much of it going on. Um, but yeah, well, the ninth There was so much is... of it going on, we all put Poltergeist in the background. Yeah, like, what more For proof do you need? What <laughs> it yeah. was. Fucking Nora. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so thanks ever so much for everyone for listening. Uh, sorry to anybody who I offended, because uh, I'm tired and I'm saying stuff and forgetting that I'm being recorded. Um <laughs> it's been a fucking long day. I had to go to work today, so I had to get up at half past five in the morning to drive into work. So I I'm am now. Five times every fucking day I did this morning, oh. mate. I'm a gaze. Oh, I'll get me violin out. <laughs> oh no, I won't. I'm too fucking tired. Um, <laughs> I've been on furlough, so you're fine. I've been used to waking up at 10 o'clock in the morning and sitting on the sofa reading a book for eight hours a day and then claiming no, I'm tired reality and I need has an early come head. rushing back. I was, was going to say, yeah, the, the sympathy's not happening. It's just not increasing on that basis, no. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I know, you'll hate if me. There's one thing, I'll honestly say, and actually that's, you know, I would say to anyone, definitely Poltergeist 2. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I'd like to do it as an episode at some point because I do totally. think there's a, it's great. I mean, number three, you can do with it, you do without. But the one thing that happened with number three, and this is work related, shall we say. Um, so I'm watching the first two and it's the first time I'm seeing them as a dad. So immediately I'm sort of putting myself in the position of uh, a bit yeah. mm. But the third film... At this point, basically, no one wants Caroline anymore, so they've sent her to live with her aunt mm. and uncle. Yeah. Uh, and, but her uncle lives in the same apartment block that he is the building supervisor for. And can I just say, that made my skin crawl far more than anything that happened <laughs> as, as a parent. But... Having work currently working as like the sort of building manager at my company, oh my god, that just was bringing it home to me. That was oh no, no, the fucking mirrors cracked. Oh no, the fucking lectures. <laughs> Jeez, fucking Christ. Oh. Why can't these pricks just leave things alone? Just, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, I, the second one I remember being fantastic. I like the third one. Uh, but I think because I only had four or five horror movies at the time on Betamax, <laughs> it was that and Phantasm, uh, Exorcist. That must. Uh, I think Exorcist was there, but it was on the off limits list. Um, but yeah, so I saw it quite a lot on Betamax. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, the second one I've seen least of all of them. But yeah, I remember it being one of the more. 
And I, and I wondered I if think... it was just because I'd seen it less, but actually. No, I would say number two, probably, like I say, probably tips it for having, you have Julian Beck's character, Reverend Kane in there, who acts as the a, a, a human face of the villain. Mm. So that definitely sort of um, adds to it, I think. But also it's kind of, um, I think it's just a bit nastier. Mm. Mm. In a way, you know, it's it doesn't have that same sort of thing of don't worry, Uncle Steven Spielberg will look after you, it's fine. It's Poltergeist 2 is distinctly we've locked Uncle Steven in the basement, <laughs> <laughs> and you're alone with us now. Yeah, I might skip that one, right? Oh, no, 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 <laughs> seriously, seriously worth it because it is still very good. It's and you still got. You've basically, apart from poor Dominic Dunn, who doesn't even get mentioned in it, mm. is, yeah, you've got, um, they don't even mention why Dame is not living with them. You kind of assume that she's moved. And mm. in a way, who can fucking blame her? Because, well, yeah. you know, that, that shit kicks off. I was um, going to say, yeah, having it, and it, it just, that's the thing. Like, they're, they're so busy running around after Carol Ann and Robbie. Yeah, she is just kind of left to fend for herself. And you're like, yeah, somebody but, needs to be looking after this child because she's not ready to I, deal with this. But to be honest, I think poor fucking Robbie is. Because after he gets eaten by the tree, they just let the poor little prick stand around for ages. Like, you know, <laughs> clearly fucking traumatized. And if you want to know how bad that is, in the second film, they are at the start of it, they are living with Diane's mum. And she says, and obviously for the recaps for the people who haven't seen the first one, they're like, you never did explain to me what happened, did you? And literally, this is what Diane tells her mum. Well, first the budgerigar died. And then, the ch- then there was that strange business with the chairs. And then Carol Ann went missing. It's like... <laughs> Look, a f- the few more things died, happened. but not Robbie got eaten by a tree. Yeah. <laughs> Your son got eaten by a fucking tree and he didn't get a mention in that list that included the budget and the <laughs> chairs. Fucking awful. Poor Robbie. No wonder he's fucked off by a number three. He don't care. God damn it. Oh, now I feel bad for him. Right. Anyway, yes. <laughs> Not as bad as I will do for myself when we watch Society. So go and watch <laughs> Society, uh, and we will see you back here in a fortnight's time. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. Don't watch Halloween Kills.